All righty, welcome to the show. It is that time of the week where we visit with our friends over at Black Locks Reporter because they do dig up all the dirt that often doesn't get the attention. But it sure is these days. No one doing it better than Tom Korski, managing editor over at Black Locks Reporter. You must really piss a lot of people off in Ottawa. I thought I had friends, but when you put it this way. <laughs> I'm just saying, you guys get so much dirt that I'm like, they must just like bristle when when you, when you guys show up. But nonetheless, I digress. Um couple of doozies here. Uh, so Heritage Minister Stephen Guibault, the weirdest man in, um, in Ottawa, his office or his department is refusing to name publishers that have been awarded nearly 61 million bucks in pre-election emergency relief. This is so that readers, apparently, Tom, can receive timely information that they require from their government. <laughs> like That's a problem right there. But these are in addition to the subsidies already paid, including the $595 million media bailout approved by Parliament in 2018. And let me just say it right now to the listeners. No, we do not get any of that. Um, but a lot of media outlets do. And, and it's problematic because this is continually eroding at the trust of journalism. And you couldn't do better than uh, Minister Gibo in his letter to the Commons Heritage Committee, where he said exactly as you indicated, uh, Alex, that the, the, the whole point is to make sure that readers get accurate information from their government. <laughs> and how? Oh, I bet. This is $61 million emergency relief. And we've been trying for two weeks hectoring Gibo's department for names. We want uh, n- name names because we want to contact these publishers and say, what, what is this arrangement? What is this secret handshake where you are able, of all people, you are able to call Ottawa and get no strings attached grants? And what is the quid pro quo that Minister Gibo identifies in terms of coverage of cabinet announcements in what is an election year? It's all really comfortable, isn't it? It's that, that's why it's jarring. It's just, it's really collegial, Alex. Well, it is, yeah. And, and periodicals and what they're talking about, they already get huge subsidies from, from the government. But we're talking about, like, the Ontario Federation of Anglers and Hunters got money. Um, we're talking about Pacific Yachting Magazine. We're talking about, uh, well, Frank Magazine's in there as well. But Chatelaine, who the hell goes for their, like, electoral knowledge in Chatelaine? Well, actually, never mind. I know who goes to it. It's all of Toronto, and that's why they keep voting the way they do. But, honestly, like, really? That's the go-to for, for government information, I guess. They have to get them out of the newsroom. It, it, it has to stop. It must stop. It's unsustainable. The government is in desperate financial shape. The debts are very high. And we cannot cut funding for diabetes pumps and maintain a million-dollar annual subsidy to McLean's magazine. It's not fair. And it will end at some point. But in the meantime, it does raise serious questions about, forgive me, about integrity, about independence, and about those media who claim they are independent of government direction on coverage while they are relying on government aid. It's a little close. It is a little close and it pisses off, um, you know, companies like mine who get kind of roped into this and certainly publications like yours where people say, well, I don't want to pay for it. And it's like, well, that's how they survive because they don't get government money, which is why you get the goods that you do. If you got the government money, you might not you might not be as impartial as you guys are. I mean, there's a reason you don't want to be too cozy with the government when you're a journalist, but we seem to have lost our way on that. No, no, just the process alone uh, of submitting yeah, an application yeah. to these people that we cover for welfare. 
Sure. I mean, uh, how do you stare your readers in the face after that? It, it's, I never figured it out. That's why we don't take a penny. But, you know, I'm, I'm just a country boy trying to find my way. Just a small town guy. In a... <laughs> um, here's another one. Here's another doozy with the little weed charity. So never mind the $43.5 million pandemic grant that Bill Morneau, um lost his job over, um, you know, so they could run this whatever program. Um it turns out that We Charity, well, they've been getting a string of sweetheart contracts prior to, you know, that whole thing. And I, I can't say I'm surprised by this, but it does disgust me. But there was a year-long investigation by the Procurement Ombudsman, and it reveals that apparently departments in the Trudeau government typically called the We Charity with confidential contract offers. Then they'd work out the price later. So they're basically getting the inside scoop, which totally undermines the procurement process and completely undermines anybody else trying to get one of these deals. Not a lot of money, but they got $131,000 awarded to the We Charity, including a $17,000 contract uh, for the Leaders' Debate Commission, which Craig Kielberger was on the board at the time. I mean, <laughs> you can't make this crap up. What is the point of procurement rules? Why even have contracting rules? And ask any federal contractor. They tear their hair out um, yeah. in terms of fair bidding. What is the secret handshake? These guys, the Kielbergers, literally had six figures in contracts drop into their labs by mm -hmm. answering the telephone. My personal favorite was 40000 from the Department of Foreign Affairs, that's an important figure because at the time, over 40000 it was mandated by an act of parliament. You had to go to open bidding. That's how you get value for taxpayers' money. You get more than one company bidding, and then you go for the lowest price. Every guy at the town council who issues the snowplow contract knows this. Mm -hmm. not, yeah. not Foreign Affairs. We charity came back with a with a bid over forty. They said it's too much, but I'll tell you what: you don't have to pay the GST. And we charity decided. They said the procurement ombudsman found this. They decided as a charity they don't have to pay the GST. That's simply wrong. Uh, I, I can tell you the United Way pays GST. That's how close it was. And you know why they wanted to avoid the GST so they could adjust the terms to get the Kielbergers their forty thousand dollars. Life is sweet. If you have that well, handshake. Yeah, I guess so. It certainly does uh, seem to re almost sound like a little bit of criminality going on here. But if you wonder, you know, we, uh, who else got these sweetheart deals? Like you can only imagine how many more of these are, are, are out there. Uh, but it's just gross. And so uh, and nonetheless, I'm sure it's not the last of that. I do find this one interesting. I mean, for once, I actually agree with NDP leader Jagmeet Singh, because he's saying that all this unprecedented spending during the pandemic certainly raises questions about the federal debt ceiling. And he's talking about, you know, the fact that 56 percent, um, he's talking about the debt ceiling going up 56 percent, and that the payment of the pandemic cost must be a ballot question, which I'm thrilled to hear that he all of a sudden cares how much uh, we're spending and how we're going to pay it back. Uh, he was asked. He was asked cold question by a reporter. Uh, what, what do you think is the ballot question going into what, of course, will be an election this year? And he said, legitimate question. Who's going to pay for this? And the costs are simply staggering, as you know, Alex. The parliament mm -hmm. outspent uh, what they did in World War II. They uh, have borrowed and spent two thirds of a trillion dollars.
The debt ceiling is now almost $2 trillion. The economy is $2 trillion. The math is terrible. And Stats Canada has established, they'll have new figures this fall. The per capita debt's well over 23000 every man, woman, and child in the country. And it's headed for the moon. And there's not even talk about debt repayment. They don't even right. forget about a balanced budget. There's no right. concept of how will we pay the debts we owe because these are now 100-year debts. Of all people, Jagmeet Singh, leader of the New Democratic Party, he has his own solutions. But as you point out, how profound is it exactly? But how <laughs> profound is it to simply ask the question? Yeah, yeah, that's right. These debts must be paid. So who's, gonna, who's the sucker that gets to pay for it? I think I know who that is. I know, I know, I know. Well, I'll be dead, but nonetheless, I'll, I'll break it to my son at some point in his life. You're the sucker, my the one you are. Uh, just quickly, because uh, this one also caught my eye, the Federal Leaders Debate Commission is going to do its research uh, looking at Twitter traffic for real-time voter reaction to televised you know, exchanges during the debate. This is uh, almost $100,000 they spent in research. So apparently Twitter posts are going to help the commission understand what voters like and don't like. I mean, uh, Really? Speaking of who's going to pay, I can think of a <laughs> yeah. way to save 100000 plus $5 million, and that's to simply shut down the Leaders' Debates Commission. Just give mm. it back to the uh, television and radio producers who did a fantastic job for 40 years. Uh, I, there's a $5 million saving right there. Five million. We just saved taxpayers $5 million, Alex. It's amazing what we do on a weekly basis, Tom. Nonetheless, I uh, find it a little odd, but in these times, everything is. Appreciate your time always, Tom. Look forward to your next little find. Thank you kindly, Alex. Tom Korsky, Managing Editor over at Blacklock's Reporter. And yes, you can get their goods. It is subscription-based, but they absolutely deliver every single day.